You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Well, it is the Classic Car Show, but we have the famous James Dunst sitting in for Steve and Jim. Both of them are out today, and uh, Jim's out running a race somewhere, and uh, Steve's on a tour somewhere. So we uh, imposed upon James. He's a car expert. He's with Bell Performance, and... um, James came up with a very interesting topic, and uh, we'll get into that in a second. But welcome back to America's Web Radio, James. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be Well, we've missed you. It's been a busy time. Yeah, it has. In, in many, many ways. And it uh, looks like it's going to get busier for a while, possibly. But anyway, um, you came up with a, a very interesting and very... Uh, uh, a topic that uh, is, is very present right now at our gas stations, and that's how to maximize gas mileage. And uh, you've got a number of different topics there regarding gas mileage. And also, as we're talking about it, we'll talk about some of the improvements in gauges that we've had over the years. And, uh, well, what's the first thing you want to talk about, James? Well, first of all... Uh, I get questions uh, from our website. I get questions from all over the world. And uh, I noticed over the last couple of months that the number of questions that have to do with fuel mileage, and there's a lot of myths out there, things that that are supposed to save, my, or save mileage. And there's a lot of these uh, gadgets that pop up whenever the price of gas goes up, all these fuel savers. And I'm going to talk about some of those uh, because in, in most cases they don't work. And uh, there's, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of things that uh, I've heard over the years. Uh, and, and we're going to talk about carburetors for a little bit. Because a lot of your classic cars, they still have carburetors. And um, when I was uh, growing up in the dealership, we used to hear this rumor that there was this 100-mile-per-gallon carburetor out there. And that the oil companies had had bought the person up who invented it, and I even heard rumors that they had uh, rubbed this guy out because he had the knowledge. And it, it's interesting because you can only lean out a fuel mixture so far, so much. You know, a mixture of air and fuel is what ignites in your cylinder. And you, when I say lean, that that's more air and less fuel. And you can only make that lean so much before it won't ignite anymore. And if it was ever possible to get 100 miles per gallon, it would be now with the fuel injection because you can, with a computer chip, you can actually regulate that air-fuel mixture right at the edge of lean uh, misfire. And so it's not possible. You know, the way the way you uh, uh, increase the mileage on most vehicles is, is uh, by using overdrives, uh, where the engine is going slower at higher speeds uh, than it was at idle, and also eliminating weight in vehicles. You notice that uh, 
a lot of the new vehicles, uh, they've got a lot of aluminum in them. They've lightened it quite a bit. And, and that has helped. But there's other things that they did. Um, I get a lot of questions right now that my brand new car is consuming oil. It's using oil. Well, that's, that's uh, actually a true statement because what they did for mileage purposes, the, the most friction, the, the highest friction in an engine is on the piston rings where they rub the cylinder walls. And so what they did is, is, and there's spring tension on these piston rings. So what they did is they took some of that spring tension out. <laughs> what that does is it increases the power a little bit because there's less drag and also improves on the mileage a little bit. The downside to that is you, the vehicle will consume some oil. Uh, and most people, they think that there's something wrong. They've taken their the vehicle back to the dealer and complained about oil consumption. And but actually, it's a normal thing right now. But there's another area that's a big misunderstanding. It has to do with EPA mileage ratings. I, uh, as parts and service director for Lincoln Mercury for a while, uh, I inherited 12 mileage complaints. And uh, when I got into these, uh, talking with the customers, uh, they kept mentioning the EPA mileage rating. And my vehicle's not getting anywhere near that. And uh, what they were telling me is, well... My, my mileage uh, last week I was able to go to work three and a half times and this week I've only made it three times and that's how they they're checking their mileage but let's talk about the EPA mileage rating and I can talk about this firsthand because uh, as a AAA employee I managed a nationwide auto repair competition the EPA was one of my sponsors so I got to go to the Ann Arbor test lab in Ann Arbor Michigan and uh, actually see how it's done. I actually performed uh, uh, one of the tests. And these these uh, tests, they're done on a dynamometer. The problem with that is you don't have any wind load on the front of the vehicle. And that's a huge part in, in mileage reduction. The second thing is they don't, uh, they use pure gas. They don't use anything with any additives or any uh, alcohol in it. So. The chances of you getting matching the EPA rating are almost impossible. It's a good way to compare one vehicle to the next, but it's not something that you most likely, unless you're going downhill for a long ways, uh, be able to match that uh, EPA mileage. Uh, the other thing I hear a lot about, well, they have these, a lot of these cars now have mileage computers where you have a reading on the dash, and... Uh, my wife is is a good one for this because she says, uh, you know what, I, uh, last week I filled up my car and it said that I had 350 miles to empty. This week I filled up my car and it says I only got 290 miles to empty. So she wanted to know what happened to her mileage. These mileage computers, what they do is they pay attention to what how you're driving. So let's say that uh, last week that she did a lot of highway driving. You're going to get better mileage when you're out on the highway where you're not up and down on, on the uh, gas all the time. And so the computer kind of recognizes that so that when you fill it up the next time, it sees that while well, you've been driving, uh, the type of driving that you've been doing is giving you good mileage, so it has a higher reading. Now, if you were driving city miles uh, during that week, uh, when you fill it up, it's going to read lower because in the city where you're stopping going, it's definitely going to uh, cause problems with your mileage. Uh, I have a list of things uh, here that 
that affect the uh, mileage. And uh, one of them has to do with the amount of ethanol in the gas. Uh, James, ethanol. why did we go to ethanol? Well, it's a good question, uh, Dave, because they used to have an octane that was in the gasoline. It was lead. And lead was a, a lubricant or cushion for the valve seats, but it was also the octane. And most people don't know what octane is. They think that octane supercharges the fuel, which it doesn't. All that octane does is it prevents an air-fuel mixture from igniting before the spark plug does it. And when you're compressing air and fuel, that, that mixture gets hot. And it'll get hot enough to where the, the air fuel will ignite before the piston reaches the top. That's what's called pre-ignition. So what octane does is it, it prevents that from happening. Well, the, the ethanol was a, a good choice for them because it was readily available. Uh, it has more oxygen in it. Therefore, when the, the air fuel mixture burns, it actually burns cleaner. And uh, the uh, it went to... Uh, a number of different uh, amounts of this, which is, there's, there's some problems. You probably have seen uh, or heard articles that there's 15% now ethanol. And the problem is a lot of the manufacturers, if you read their warranty, they say that they'll void your warranty when the amount of ethanol that you're using is over 10%. See, ethanol is highly corrosive, and it, it can do damage, especially to the cli- older classic cars uh, where you have a lot of... Uh, uh, hot type metal in the carburetor in the carburetors it'll do damage to them uh so that that's one of the downsides of it but uh, this 15 percent is why did they go to 15 percent see congress mandated that uh, there be 14 billion gallons of ethanol used in a year and the problem is that cars are getting better mileage now so they were uh not consuming the 14 billion gallons that uh, congress mandated and so they said, well, we'll just fix that. We'll just raise the, uh, the percentage of uh, ethanol in the fuel. Uh, which, again, the reason that, uh, that ethanol affects the mileage is ethanol has less energy in it than gasoline does, about 25% less energy than gasoline. And there's another vehicle, and a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with it, called a Flex. Flex vehicle. On the back of your car, there may be a little decal that says flex. And what that means is there is a fuel out there that's 85% ethanol and 15% gasoline. And they probably could do 100%, but the, if they went 100%, the people would be drinking it. So it, it's 85, it's 85% ethanol and 15% gasoline. The problem with these flex fuel vehicles, if you're looking at your mileage, uh, if you're using that fuel, you're going to get roughly 20% less mileage because you have the less energy in that gasoline. But I tell people all the time, I say, buy a flex fuel vehicle uh, because the, the components in the fuel system, there's a lot of stainless steel parts. And what that does is it resists the corrosive effects of ethanol. And so I tell people, I say, go ahead and get a flex fuel vehicle, but uh, uh, maybe, you, maybe you don't want to use it. I have a 2000 Ford Ranger. It is a flex fuel vehicle. I have 14, I have 414,000 miles on it. I changed the fuel filter one time in 414,000 miles. Never had a fuel pump problem, never had a fuel line problem, never had a fuel tank problem in all of those miles. And it's because I don't use, I don't use the flex 
uh, fuel. Now, I'm not trying to discourage anyone from using that because it does keep the air cleaner when they're burning that type of fuel. But they just have to expect that when they're, when they're uh, using that uh, flex fuel in their car that they are going to get less, less miles. You know, uh, go ahead. There are a lot of uh, obviously a lot of other things, and um, how's the effect of ethanol on your gauges in your car? Can you really tell a difference, or is there one gauge to look at over another one? Actually, I, I have never seen any difference in the gauges or the gauge readings on on them. Um, if there is any effect on it at all, it has to do... See, for, for all of those gauges, you've got a sensor somewhere. And if you've got a sensor that's in the fuel system somewhere, obviously that's going to be affected by the corrosive um, ethanol. Right. But i got a, whole, a number of other things here that you know cut down on your mileage, but... Well, before, before, before I, we go to those, James, let's, uh, let's take our first break, and we'll come back and discuss all the other things and i know one that's uh, big in my life and uh we'll we'll be back right after this with james dunce from florida and uh we'll we'll be back in just a moment hi this is rocky blair former four-time super bowl champion with the pittsburgh steelers and vietnam veteran as a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And you're listening to the Classic Car Show with our host today, Mr. James Dunst. And uh, that last uh, promo that I ran for Locked and Loaded, uh, that's every Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Folks, if you're a veteran or you own a weapon, listen to that show. And uh, the importance now of keeping it locked and loaded uh, may may become even more important as we go forward in the next few days, few weeks. But anyway, we're talking about fuel mileage with James right now, and uh, I know he's got a list of things that'll help. So, you know, I've, I many, many times I forget to say, get a pen and paper ready because you're going to want to write some of these things down. So with that being said, James, it's all yours. Yeah, I, I, what I'd like to do is I was talking about ethanol uh, to give your listeners some pointers on, on 
ethanol affects small equipment in a big way. Most of the uh, the weed whackers and chainsaws and uh, as, you know the small uh, uh, C and, and snowmobiles and things like that. Uh, they use the carburetors yet, and if if the fuel is left, if you have E10 gasoline, uh, which is 10% uh, ethanol, if you leave that sit in those carburetors uh, when that equipment's in in storage, it will do damage to the carburetors. So if there's any way you can drain it, if you have a fuel shutoff uh, on the equipment, a lot of your backup generators, they have fuel shutoffs. Uh, when you're running it, when you're ready to put it away, turn off the fuel, let it run until it, it, until it quits. So that the carburetor is empty. But uh, back to the mileage thing. Uh, before I go on to the next uh, list of, of items, the proper method of checking mileage. Most people do not do this in the right way. There, there's two ways of doing this. There's a way to do it to see what your vehicle is capable of, and then there's a way to do it to where based on how you drive. And the one, uh, the one, and I've done these tests a number of times myself. Uh, but the test to, to find out what your vehicle's capable of, I actually use my own vehicle, this, this 2000 Ranger. And uh, we have a product, it's, it's called Mixigo or Ethanol Defense. And what it does is it cleans up uh, just three components. It cleans the injectors, it cleans the, what they call the EGR, which is exhaust gas recirculation, and then it cleans up the O2 sensor. If you can keep those three items clean, your mileage is going to stay pretty pretty good. But anyway... What I did was I, I went over to the highway here between Orlando and Daytona, and I filled my gas tank right up to the top until it was running out. And uh, what I did is I got on uh, the highway, and I used the cruise control. I didn't have the air, air conditioning on. I did not have the windows open because open windows cause drag. And I put the cruise control on 60 and I didn't touch that accelerator all the way up to Daytona. I turned around, did the same thing coming back. Uh, when I did a mileage test before I did this, I got uh, uh, 21.4 miles per gallon. Uh, after I ran the product and cleaned up those items and I did this test like I just explained, I actually got a 25.3 reading, which I found really hard to believe. But now that's that's the ideal. Most people are not going to get that because they don't drive like that. And uh, I still didn't believe it. So I, I went ahead and did it again, and I ended up getting uh, uh, an additional half a mile per gallon. So the, the way you drive makes a big difference. The second test is you go ahead and fill it up, just like I said, and uh, you do the same thing. But drive the way you normally do. If you're running the air, run the air. you got the windows open, leave the windows open. And uh, drive it at least 30 miles, the 40, 30 to 40 miles. And at the end of that trip, go ahead and pull off where there's a gas station and immediately fill it up and do the math. And you'll, you'll see what the difference. I had a lot of people coming in the dealership. Uh, I had, like I said, I had 12 mileage complaints. And most of them said, well, I, I went to work last week uh, uh, three and a half times and this week only three times. What they failed to understand is... Uh, Last week, maybe all the the uh, stoplights were green, and this week they're they're all red. And uh, other things, like I'm running the air conditioning this week. I wasn't running it last week. I had the windows open. There's many things that affect uh, affect that mileage. But in every case, all 12 mileage complaints, 
when we did the actual mileage test to prove what they could actually get with it, I didn't have a single one of the 12 that had a mileage issue. And what the dealers were doing is anytime they had a mileage complaint, they were putting a computer in it because all the cars have computers. But the computers got less than a 2% failure rate, and that was not it. It was the people's understanding of what they thought they should get based on the EPA rating, which you're not going to get. You're very lucky if you do get that. But some of the other things that affect the uh, mileage, you know, we mentioned city driving. City driving, you're speeding up, you're slowing down, you stop and go. And obviously, you're not going to get really good mileage. Miles. Uh, the wrong fuel. You say, well, how does the wrong fuel affect me? Uh, if you have a, a vehicle that says must use premium fuel, it all has to do with compression. The higher the compression, the, the higher the octane has to be. Because as I said uh, a few minutes ago, uh, you, you have to... Uh, have octane in order to prevent that fuel air fuel mixture from igniting before the spark plug uh, does it. But on these modern computer cars, what they do is they have a, a knock sensor located in the engine block somewhere. And it, you, you, most people know what that rattle sounds like when you have pre-ignition. Uh, a lot of the older cars had that, have, have that problem. Well, what the computer does is probably before you even notice the noise, it picks up on that, and it retards the spark. And what the reason it does that is to stop that pre-ignition. So what happens then when you retard the spark is you lose your power and you, you lose your gas mileage. So using the proper fuel is important. Whatever it says you must use, uh, if, and usually it will say it on the, either the gas cover or there'll be something in the glove box or in the owner's manual that tells you which fuel that you need to use. And if you want the best mileage you can get, that's what you need to do, use that fuel. Uh, Air conditioning. The average AC compressor takes about 10 horsepower to uh, run the compressor. So anytime you run any air conditioning, uh, it's it's going to be, you're going to have less mileage. And the hotter it gets outside, uh, the hotter the air is coming through that condenser, the higher the pressures are, and it can even draw more horsepower. So anytime you're running that air conditioning, uh, you can expect that your mileage is going to go down. But he, uh, here in Florida, I don't care. When, <laughs> I, when I'm driving my vehicle, I want air conditioning. I'm sure you do too, Dave. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but it, it does have, a, it does have a, a big impact on it. And the next item, the next item... Uh, is actually the most common. It's low tire pressure. They say that if everyone would air their tires up properly in the U.S., that it would save more fuel than anything else that we could do. Uh, as a former AAA employee, we used to, during National Car Care Month, we used to go around the country and that we'd set up a testing or a check station, and we'd test people's oil levels, and we check air pressure in the tires, 80% of the vehicles that we checked had at least one or more tire that was low on air pressure. You so know, I, I think that's one of the greatest gauges that was has been put on cars, and that's the uh, tire sensor. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and when I'm driving down the highway, because I'm a mechanical guy, I look at the vehicles in front, and I see low tires all the time. And uh, I tried some cases I try to get up alongside of them if we're at a light and tell them, hey, you got a low tire. Uh, but that, that is the, because it creates a huge drag uh, on the vehicle. Uh, dirty air filters. 
uh, anything that restricts the airflow into the engine is it, going to have an effect on, on mileage. Or if you have a turbocharged vehicle, if you have a turbocharger that's not working, that's going to affect mileage in, in a big way. Uh, here's something that some people may not uh, think about. Did you ever drive your vehicle towards evening when it's cooler and it seems to have more power? Uh, the air temperature is cooler, and it's a fact that cooler air has a higher oxygen content in it than warmer air. So you're not just exaggerating, you're not just imagining it. It actually probably is running a little bit better because there's more oxygen in the air. Uh, another thing to, to consider is how much extra weight are you carrying in the car? Uh, when I look at my own vehicle and that, there's a lot of things in there. I really don't need to have them in there. But because of the extra weight, that does affect your mileage. So if you go ahead and take everything out of the vehicle that does not need to be in the vehicle, uh, that can make a difference. But if you look at all of these items, and I did mention the windows being down, that creates quite a drag uh, on the vehicle. Also, if you're driving into the wind, you know, if you're driving into the wind versus with the wind, uh, it, it, it makes a big difference. So... There isn't just one thing that affects your mileage. There's a whole host of things uh, that do that. And, uh, you know, I guess uh, I don't want to pick on women by any means, but everybody needs to check it. And a woman can certainly check her air pressure with the gauge or with the uh, sensors and uh, find a station that will... Fill them up for her if she doesn't know how to do it. And um, the idiot lights, the oil light, and, uh, you know, it even, on my car, it even comes up your X number of miles away from needing an oil change. Yep. Well, you know, on the, on the low tire, uh, you know, a lot of the vehicles now have the low tire pressure readout on the dash. You're going to notice when we come up to the cooler weather now, one of the things I get asked about a lot is all of a sudden my, my low tire pressure light's coming on. Yeah. And I get a whole bunch of those, and it's because the, the air in the tire shrinks when it gets cooler. And if they're borderline on their pressures and that, it's going to affect it, and it's going to turn that light on. But I get that, I get that question a lot. Well, uh, it just, you know, it's like everything else. If you're going to own it, you need to know about it. Yeah. Now, the way my wife uh, gets to or checks her air pressure, she says, uh, James, uh, check my air pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how she gets her air pressure. And usually when I check it, it they're low. So it's something that uh, a lot of people don't pay any attention to, but it's something that you need to because uh, not only does it affect the, uh, uh, the mileage, but it'll affect the way that the tire wears. Because if a tire is low, extremely low, where you can see it bulging, actually going to wear on the outer edges on both sides. If you have one that's overfilled, uh, you're going to have wear on the center of the tire. So if you look at your tire wear and you see even wear on both sides, you can, you can pretty well figure that you haven't kept the air pressure up. If you see a wear pattern down the center of the tire, you might want to check and see if your air pressure is too high. A lot to remember, uh, but a lot that needs to be done for everybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. And just Absolutely. like you said, if they'll take your advice on this, we could lower our consumption by who knows what. Absolutely. It would uh, be amazing. Another area, uh, this is a question I get a lot because of the advertising, 
is you'll hear about synthetic oils and thin oils, and they want to know, does that affect the mileage? And technically, anything that causes less friction in the engine is going to affect it a little bit, but I don't think the average person is going to be able to test it and be able to determine that there's a difference because of the oil that they put in there. Uh, it, it's a combination of a bunch of things put together. As I said a little bit ago, they, they've, de- they've uh, removed uh, some of the tension from the piston rings, which causes less drag. So a combination of that, combination of thinner oil, because they have like 0W20 now. It used to be 10W40. They'll use a 0W20, and that those thinner oils in that cause less drag. Plus, it oils the components in the engine much quicker. Um when, when they first start the engine. One of the, one of the things I like to mention on synthetic motor oils is uh, most oils in that, when it gets cold, they'll get thick. And the thing about synthetics is they don't do that. So if you live in the north, you live in a cold area, so when you start that, I've, I've had uh, 20 wet motor oil in a can, could hardly pour it out of the can at 20 below zero. But synthetic motor oils don't do that. Uh, they stay, uh, the viscosity stays pretty much the same. So when you start the car, you got immediate lubrication to all your parts. You know, uh, I started using synthetic uh, several years ago, and uh, I've just stayed with it. And I, I really don't have a great excuse. I just stay with it. Well, some of the synthetics you can mix with regular oil, not all of them. And you have to know what kind of oil that you're using, what kind of synthetic you're using, and find out because sooner or later somebody's going to make a mistake, a mistake when they're adding oil to your car and they're going to put the wrong oil in there. you got synthetic, they put regular motor oil in it. Well, some of them don't matter. You just have to look up on the directions on the uh, container to see if they're compatible with regular oils. Well, you know, I've <laughs> over the years at my age, I've learned to... Uh, sit there and watch and make sure they're giving me what I'm paying for. Absolutely. But mistakes are made all the time. I, I sure. Some real disasters. Absolutely. Uh, the next kind of topic, I don't know if you want to do this after the next break, the the, uh, the next topic has to do with engine oil leak. Now, how in the world an engine oil leak caused me to have bad mileage? Uh with these computer cars, they have what's called an O2 sensor, oxygen sensor. Those oxygen sensors are located in the exhaust, uh, right behind the intake manifold. And what they do is they measure the, they take a sample of the outside air uh, from one of the wires, it actually, the oxygen goes down that wire, and they compare it to the oxygen inside the, uh, the manifold. And what they do is that the computer's main function is to deliver a 14.7 to 1 fuel ratio uh, to the exhaust. And that's for the converter. That's not an ideal uh, performance ratio. What it is, is it's where the catalytic converter works best. But what happens when you have an oil leak, most engines are on an angle. And if you have an oil leak from a, a rocker cover gasket, it runs down the back of the engine. And what happens, you end up with smoke right there. And that sampling that the O2 sensor does uh, is skewed because it, uh, it, there's not oxygen there. you got oil fumes. So this the old saying that, that the computer garbage in, garbage out. 
if it doesn't get the right reading, it's not going to do the right thing. So that can actually affect your mileage. It can also affect the way the vehicle runs. Uh, I've seen some pretty good cases of this where the engines don't uh, idle right and seem to jerk when you're accelerating and turn out to be an oil leak. As crazy as it sounds, it does happen. James, like you said, we're up against a break, so we'll take our break and be back with James Dunst right after this. Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, and the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised to right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show with James Dunce and uh, finding out how to save a buck at the pump. Uh, maybe a couple of bucks, the way the prices are going up. Um, I, I would guess, just like you were talking, James, that probably the most overlooked savings and one of the easiest is the tire pressure, like you mentioned before. Absolutely. And there's really uh, no excuse for it. Absolutely. Uh, one of the questions, because I do work for a company that makes uh, uh, fuel additives, uh, the question I get a lot, because I get all the technical questions, is, is this going to affect my mileage? Can I get better mileage? I went to a dinner a while back uh, of managers, and there was a guy sitting next to me, and I asked him what he did, and he says, well, he says, I sell additives, a fuel additive that will give you 50% more mileage. And I'm, I was the wrong person to say that to. And the, here are the facts. There is no additive on the market that's going to give you more mileage than the EPA rating out there. Where you make out with additives, if you use the right additive, most people, they buy the wrong thing. If you use the right additive, Bell's got a product called Mexico. It's been around since... Uh, uh, for almost a hundred years, and uh, they have another product called Ethanol Defense, which is basically the same thing, but it has more uh, uh, stuff in it to deal with water because ethanol absorbs water into it. But as I said a little bit ago, there's three components. Uh, you have the fuel injectors. The fuel injectors, when they get dirty, and they don't get dirty on the inside, they actually get dirty on the tip because as the fuel is evaporating off of the tip, it just it leaves a residue behind. Just like if you put water on the counter and you let it dry and you see like a film, uh, it basically does the same thing. It does that on injectors. And at some point, the, the little tiny holes that uh, emit the, the mist of fuel, they start to get plugged. And instead of having a nice mist, you get it, it dribbles. And when it does that, it does affect your mileage because you, it's not completely atomized. You don't get a complete burn. So keeping the injectors clean is one thing. The second thing, you have what's called an EGR valve. 
EGR valves, it's called exhaust gas recirculation. It's an emission control device. It's never supposed to work at idle when the engine is cold or, or during wide open throttle because it's putting burnt exhaust gas back into the intake. And you'd ask, well, why in the world would you do that? A rich mixture of fuel is, is actually a cooler mixture. A lean mixture is hot. Uh, there's a pollutant called oxides of nitrogen or NOx. You probably heard the term. That is generated when the temperature is 2,500 degrees or higher in the cylinder. So what they do is they they actually substitute a little bit of burnt gas along with the oxygen as the piston's pulling air into the cylinder. So what you end up with is less air, same amount of fuel, which is richer, and it cools it down. And therefore, it reduces that oxides of nitrogen. Here's the problem. When that EGR valve gets, because it has exhaust going through it, when it gets a carbon buildup, they'll actually stick open. One of the most common uh, questions or, or that I get is my vehicle is idling terribly all of a sudden. Uh, but it, it runs fairly good when I'm accelerating down the highway. And what happens is that EGR sticks open. It will affect the idle. In some cases, the car won't even idle because it's putting exhaust gas back in there when the engine is idling. Uh, I had a, a uh, local uh, mass merchandise where they repair cars and they, they brought a carburetor to me a number of years ago, and I rebuilt it. And they put it back on there, and they called me up and said I, did, I didn't do it right. And uh, I said, they said it was running terrible. I said, well, bring the car over. They brought the car over, and I suspected this. I took a hammer and hit the back of the EGR valve. It screwed right out. I said, you fixed the wrong item. That, that, that cannot be open when the engine is idling. So that's the second thing. The third thing is the O2 sensor, because the O2 sensor in the exhaust, it is the key component that that computer uses to determine what the air-fuel ratio is. And what it does, what the computer does, is if it sees lean, it goes rich. If it sees rich, it goes lean. And there's a happy medium in between where it tries to stay. And at that point, that's where the air-fuel mixture is for your converter, your catalytic converter. But when that bulb on that, that... uh, O2 sensor gets dirty, again, it'll, it'll give you uh, bad readings. If you get bad readings, the computer will do the wrong thing. And I've taken a number of old... I love it when somebody comes to me, they say, I've got a vehicle that's got 150,000 miles on it. Because what happens over time is these things go bad and you don't notice it because they happen slowly. And I love it because if you go ahead and you put the, this Mexico product in there, and we tell them to run two tanks, maybe double up on the... On the uh, uh, dosage for the first couple of tanks and then after that do go ahead and check your mileage in most cases the mileage will come back where it was when the vehicle was new because it cleans up those three items on a new vehicle it, it actually does the same thing but people don't notice the difference because they those components never get dirty uh, so i love it when we get a high mileage vehicle because they think we're some kind of miracle worker which we are <laughs> with <laughs> with the additives. Additives can make a difference. The biggest problem is there's like 4,500 different additives out there. Most of them don't work. Most of them don't do what they claim. And they say there's only about 25 of them that actually do as they claim. And one way you can tell some of these is by the EPA register. Because if they're not EPA registered, it's usually the fact is they don't do exactly what they claim they do. So you have to be careful on, on, on uh, what kind of additives you, that you're using. Uh, another area that's a problem is if you tend to drive at higher speed, 
if you go between 55 miles an hour and 75, remember the years where we had to drive 55 all the time. That was horrible. Back in the 70s when they had the Arab oil embargo, 55, they made all I the major highways 55 miles an hour. You felt like you were crawling down the highway. But when it goes from 55 to 75, there's actually a 20% increase in the amount of oil or fuel that's consumed. So it does make a difference uh, at the higher speeds. So when, when I was telling you earlier how to tell what your vehicle is capable of when you're at 55 or 60, if you use a cruise control, uh, that's going to be your better mileage area. It's going to show you what your vehicle is capable of. Like I said, most people don't drive that way, though. Uh, another question I get is, will premium gasoline improve my mileage? You have to understand that premium gasoline uh, has a higher octane rating. I said this earlier. It doesn't mean that it supercharges your fuel, which most people think it does. And, and to be honest with you, I used to think that. I thought every once in a while I'm going to give my, my vehicle a treat. I'm going to give it uh, high-octane premium fuel. Well, the only thing I did when I did that is I made the fuel station operator richer because it didn't do a thing for me. Uh, it only Octane only uh, uh, prevents air fuel from igniting before the spark plug does it. How it affects your mileage, make sure that you're using, if the vehicle says premium fuel, use premium fuel. Uh, if, if it doesn't say that, 87 octane is fine. Now, the next item, you, you're probably going to think I'm crazy, but they actually did tests on this. They, uh, they, actually, they actually cleaned the car. They did mileage tests on a dirty car. And then they actually cleaned it and waxed it, and they did mileage tests after that. And they actually got a slight improvement in mileage because there was less resistance in the airflow that went around the car. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but you can Google it. They actually did those tests, uh, which I thought was uh, crazy. But uh, what I want to do now is I want to go on to a lot of uh, your listeners. They have diesel-powered vehicles, or cars or trucks, and there is a way to get better mileage on those. And the most common way, there's, there's a term called cetane. Uh, cetane is the actual the opposite of octane. And what it does, every vehicle, every diesel engine has a certain cetane rating it was designed for. And if it's designed for 50 and your cetane rating of the fuel is 50, that means you've consumed everything efficiently. That's as good as you're going to do. That's the best mileage, and it's the cleanest emissions that you're going to get. The problem is, in the state of Florida, and it may be that way in Georgia, uh, most of the cetane rating on the diesel fuel is between 40 and 45. Most engines run better between 45 and 55. And what I tell people to do, well, we have a product called Diesel. Diesel actually has two points of cetane in it, uh, which may not be enough. Maybe your engine requires 50. The diesel fuel you're using is 40. And if you use this additive, it'll make that 42. But there is a diesel uh, uh, octane enhancer. We, we call ours supertane. And you can actually raise the cetane level of the fuel. And what's fun about this is you don't have to wait a week or do a whole bunch of driving to tell the difference. If you drive that vehicle every day, you know how it feels, you know how it accelerates, you know how it sounds. And when you mix the cetane booster into the fuel, the minute it's mixed into the fuel, it's splashing around in the tank, the minute it does that, you feel the difference. If there was a difference where your vehicle, uh, the fuel lacked the cetane rating that your engine needed, you're going to feel the difference. And what I tell people is, okay, now you felt the difference. Now go ahead and add some more. 
And when you get to the point where you don't feel any difference anymore, that's as high as you can go. Because once you've reached that maximum, you've consumed every bit of the fuel. So your emissions are going to be much better at that. Your engine's even going to be quieter. When you have the wrong seat pain rating and the engine's going to be, a, it's going to rattle, it's going to be a lot noisier. So that's something that uh, uh, you could play with. It's fun. And I can tell you this, in no time did I ever have anyone come back to me that I told them to do this that didn't have good things to say. They couldn't believe the difference. It does make a big difference. Well, you know, James, over the years, uh, I've had several diesels, uh, Mercedes diesels, and uh, I've fallen to the trap that uh, a lot of people, when they buy their first diesel, fall into, and that's trying to treat it like a gas engine, and it's not. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you finding a good repair person for diesels is hard to do. And, uh, yes. It's uh, it's a whole different ball game, and people need to realize that when they buy a diesel. Yes, and when repairs are made and not done properly, that's an expensive, uh, expensive lesson because anytime you're working on a diesel engine, it's more expensive. But I do want to mention one other thing that we're talking about diesel. This is the most common question I get at least a couple times a week. They call me up and they say I accidentally put gas in my diesel, yeah. in, my, in my diesel car. What I do? Do you have an additive that will fix that? No. There is no additive on the market that fixes that. If you ever put gas in your diesel or diesel in your gas, there's only one piece of advice that I can give. It's called rain and flush. If, if you realize that you did it while you were at the station, you don't want to drive the vehicle, you don't want to start the vehicle. You want to tow it to your local garage where they can actually drain it. And, and uh, if you've not run it, they don't have to flush out the fuel lines. But if you run it, they got to flush out those lines. And I can tell you that uh, uh, we had a county down in South Florida that they called me and they said that uh, we had 50 police cars that the check engine lights were coming on. When I asked them what the codes were, they were all what they call random misfire. And when you have the same thing like that, the common denominator is the fuel. Or to make a long story short, the transport had put diesel in their underground gas tank. And by doing that, they actually damaged 350 vehicles. Cars that were almost empty when they filled them up, they were in better shape because they just didn't run. But the vehicles that were three-quarters full and they topped it off with that, uh, they were damaged. And they actually needed over 100 engines. They destroyed the engines. And two weeks later, another county called me and said, we have the same problem. They needed 185 engines. Uh, there's only 50 engines or Fords in the Ford part system nationwide. So it's very important that if you ever do, and they say every minute and a half in the United States somebody misfuels a vehicle. So if you do that, you got to make sure that you don't drive it. Uh, there's a little test that you think, I had a lady call me the other day. She says, I think they put gas in my diesel, but I'm not sure. I drove it, it runs okay, and when I took it to the dealer, the Mercedes, they said I needed an $18,000 engine. And she says, I don't understand because it runs fine. And there's a simple test that you can do. If you think that there's gas in your diesel tank, is you go ahead and if you can extract a thimble full, either from a line or siphon it in some way, and just put that small amount on a piece of concrete, take a match and see if it lights. Diesel fuel will not light when you when you put a match to it. If it's on concrete, if you've got it on something that's flammable, of course it's going to light. But if you put it on, on a concrete, you try to light it, it won't light. If it lights, you've got gas in your diesel tank. 
it's a real simple, fast test to determine that. And uh, I've talked to many, many uh, technicians, and most of them never heard of that. But it's just some, a simple test. Usually they recommend we'll take a sample, we'll send it out to a third-party lab, and then they'll come back and give the results. Well, you don't have to do that. You can actually do it the way I said. So remember, if you do it, just make sure on. what's around you. Yep. If you ever do it, you got to drain and flush. There's no set amount that's safe. We've not been able to determine that. I've heard every bit. I've heard every uh, combination. That somebody said I put a gallon, I put a couple quarts, I did this. If you put the wrong fuel in there, to be safe, drain and flush. That lady, she didn't have a problem at all. The very fact that she she drove that thing, she used two tanks of fuel after that, never had a check engine light that came on. It was fine. I said, you don't need an $18,000 engine, just need to drive it. But she, it ran perfectly. If, in fact, they put gas in the diesel, she'd be telling me it runs terrible. But it, it is a question that I get on a regular basis. Uh, the other items that I have here, the other thing that pops up, and it always pops up when gas prices go up, and it's all these fuel-saving devices. Yeah. And I, go ahead. No, I was just thinking about that. Uh, you know, in one of our, I think this was in 57, 1957, when we had a, uh, you know, right after they had lowered the, the uh, speed limit and all this, and uh, I think one of the things that came out was the toilet paper oil filter and you know it's amazing uh, the worms that crawl out of the woodwork well so many of these what you have to remember on a newer car now when you have a 1981 or newer is the computer's got one mission that mission is to deliver 14.7 uh, air fuel ratio to the exhaust why because of the converter it's where the converter works best so no matter what you do, uh, unless you change something in the computer, no matter what you do, it's still going to try to achieve 14.7 uh, to 1. But the, the one I laugh about, uh, I was a former AAA employee, and we used to get people constantly sending us stuff. They wanted us to test it and uh, hoping that they would get a AAA endorsement, which we never gave anyway. Uh, but one of them that I laugh about was called petrol pellets. And what they were is they were round discs of wax about the size of a quarter and you're supposed to pop one in your gas tank and it says they're supposed to change the gasoline so it burns better <laughs> and it's it's totally a scam it doesn't do anything it won't hurt anything because the wax will just dissolve in there and in a tank of fuel in that it's not even going to be noticeable uh, i get people that say well i put acetone in my fuel and i got a little bit of mileage well, I've read some articles on that, and I've heard, and I think there is a little bit of, of truth to that, but the problem is the acetone will destroy your fuel system. Uh, the, the rubber components or seals and, and components in the fuel pump itself will be damaged by the acetone. So you might gain a, a little bit of mileage to destroy your fuel system, which gets real expensive. So that, that's not a really good thing to do. Uh, on, the, on the classic cars, on the older cars, and I remember installing these years ago. It's a, it's a fuel atomizer. And what it is is it's a plate that goes underneath your carburetor. And it's got like a stainless steel cone. And what they said it's supposed to do is it's supposed to, any fuel that didn't get atomized correctly in, in the carburetor and that, it would do a better job of that. 
But what was interesting at the same time on those vehicles, they said, well, you need to advance the timing a couple of degrees, you need to adjust the carburetor, and those are point systems, make sure your point setting is correct. And after you do all of those things, if you didn't have the fuel atomizer, you probably would have got a little bit better mileage. So, but what they do is they pop up. They have this big old sales uh, tactic. By the time you figured out that it doesn't work, they're on their way. They sold a bunch of them, and they're waiting for the next big fuel uh, price rise. But uh, uh, that's the uh, that's the old saying: if it sounds too good to be true, it probably oh, yeah, is. Absolutely. And, and here's another one that uh, is real common, and it's absolutely worthless. Don't do anything. Is these magnetic fuel savers? I had a guy call me from California. He said, I got this mag, this fantastic device. You just attach it to the bottom of your fuel tank, and it does something to the atoms in the fuel and makes it burn more efficiently. Hmm. Well, first of all, the gas tanks on most of these vehicles now, they're not metal. They're plastic. So you're not going to stick anything to the bottom of it. Then you have the other unit where it's got magnets, and you actually run the fuel through it. And then you got another one that has magnets that go on both sides of the fuel line. Well, Gasoline does not have any magnetic properties. So basically, the only thing it does for you is for your mind, and that's not really anything to do with the fuel. But they absolutely do not work. It's a scam. I know there's some big companies out there that sell a bunch of them, uh, but they don't work. We've never been able to prove that that any of them work. They have another device you plug in. Underneath your dash, you have a diagnostic terminal for the computer, and they have some devices that you plug into that. Those worry me. Because if you do that, what they're trying to do is they're trying to change that air-fuel ratio. And if you do that, the converter's not going to work right. And if you run that converter too rich, which is probably what they're going to do to give you a little bit more power, uh, the converter will end up overheating. They'll actually glow red. You can destroy your catalytic converter. So I would not use any device like that that uh, you plug into it. Uh, They have a hydrogen generator. Uh, they said it's supposed to separate the hydrogen and oxygen from water. You know, that's a dream, and that's been around for many, many years. Uh, they say if you could separate the hydrogen and oxygen, you actually have the two components to burn. The only problem is, is it takes more energy to do that than you gain from it. So it's totally a, a waste of time. It, it, it doesn't work. And people talk about hydrogen-powered vehicles. Hydrogen is the most common element in the universe. The only problem is if you have a vehicle that runs on hydrogen, you've got to have a number of tanks, and you're talking about pressures that up to 10,000 psi, which I don't think would be good in an accident. So that's that's not the answer. That's not the answer either. Uh, they have a, a intake vortex cyclone fuel saver, it's supposed to spin the fuel as, as it's going into the uh, air cleaner from the air cleaner. Well, again, what I said is the, the program for the computer is 14.701. So if it sees more air, it's going to give more fuel. It's going to keep a, trying to get that 14.7 to 1. Uh, so no matter what you do like that, it's not going to work. Uh, the performance computer chips, those things scare me again because what that does is it alters that air-fuel ratio, which can damage your converter. Uh, so one of the things, a couple of things, make sure your air pressure is up in your car. That's the key. That's the biggie. Uh, make sure on computer cars that you don't have oil leaks uh, from the engine. And you can tell if you have oil leaks because you'll see it on the ground underneath uh, uh, underneath your uh, 
vehicle. Keep your windows closed when you're driving uh, down the highway. That's, that's a good one. That creates a huge drag. Make sure you're using the right fuel. Uh, don't depend on the computer mileage computer on the dash. Uh, tell you what mileage you're getting because it's not being truthful with you. It's giving you a rough idea, something to follow, but it's not being truthful uh, as far as what your mileage is. Uh, make sure that you uh, maintain your, your air filters. Make sure that they're clean. Don't have any extra weight in the vehicle. That makes a difference because it causes the drag on the vehicle. I can feel it in my truck when I put a lot of weight in there. It, that, that does make a difference. But uh, those are the, those are the things that I have, and I know that's a lot to remember. Uh, but if you pick up on some of those, they really, and use cruise control anytime you can. Anytime, if you have a cruise control, use that cruise control rather than go up and down on the accelerator. And uh, and for the folks that are listening, this show will be archived on Monday, so you can go to our website and listen to it all over again. And as you go to our website, look at our books that we have that uh, the selected reading that uh, books that we've endorsed and I think you'll find it quite interesting. Yes, we're a radio station, but we also do a lot of endorsement of books and uh, they're there for you to order and uh, you can get most of them from Amazon and we encourage you to do it. Uh, James, I hate to say this, but facts of the matter are we're out of time, and I want to thank you for being our guest and uh, look forward to the next time. Well, thank you. Speaking of reading materials, everything that I've mentioned here, if you go to bellperformance.com, the website, uh, there's many, many articles that covers all the things that I, uh, that I covered here. As a matter of fact, I wrote a lot of those. So bellperformance.net or, del- uh, or refixfield.com. Either one of those will get you there. Fantastic. Anyway, thank you. I appreciate being here. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.